Assessing the critical dimensions of your business is the strategic way to improve performance, grow and scale. Whatever your business ambition and whatever level of income, influence and impact that you want to get to next in your business growth, I believe you should build your leverage strategy from the inside out. Every business needs a tune-up or an oil change from time to time because the elements we're facing in the marketplace are changing. So in this episode, I'm handing you the toolbox and in the following episode, I'll show you the tools inside and how to use them. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast. I really hope you're pushing into this new year with lots of enthusiasm and great business planning. But if you're still scratching your head where to start, where to make improvements, what to push and what to let go of, this week's episode will definitely give you a way to plan strategically so you know where to make improvements tactically. Last week, I talked about seven dimensions for building a thriving service business, and I introduced you properly to iSuccess, both in terms of my brand name and my expert system. It's the framework I use working with clients to improve critical elements in their business architecture and processes that are holding back success, and in particular, growth. So what that means is it's the tool I use working with clients to look specifically for bottlenecks, the barriers, the areas that need strengthening. It's incredibly powerful to pinpoint exactly what those things are so you know what to prioritize. And the businesses I've used it with, it's really opened up not only the operational blockages, but the mental blockages as well. Now, iSuccess is the inside cog of a bigger machine, your business. It's like the engine and sometimes it gets clogged or parts missing or broken. And so when that's the situation, if the inner workings, the engine of your business, what I often refer to as the business architecture in fact, if they're not working that great or aren't well balanced, that's when as the business owner, you experience frustration and stress It's that feeling that you're working hard on things that don't bear fruit. I've been there myself, so have many of my clients, and mostly that's why they come to me. And I'm sure it sounds familiar to you too, now or at some time in your business in the past. Every business needs a tune-up or an oil change from time to time because the elements we're facing in the marketplace are changing. Today's climate is not the same as last year's climate or the year before. Certainly in most industries, our marketplaces are very different to what they once were. So we need a new engine or at least a good tune-up if we want to drive the bigger machine effectively. And by bigger machine, I mean your business. We can use the analogy of a car or a plane, but it's certainly not a bicycle. And the bigger machine that's your business, it's a flywheel. And if you look on the front cover of my book, Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age, the image there 
That's the leveraged business flywheel in its full glory. So what's a flywheel, I hear you say? Well, a flywheel in this case captures the heart and soul of your business, not just the operational machinery. It's what determines whether you choose to drive a Ferrari or a people carrier, a 4x4 or a van, a private plane or a jumbo jet. It's your vision and values that's incorporated in a flywheel. The why, the what and the how of your business. It's your strategy. And that's what iSuccess and the leverage business model helps with the inner and the outer workings. And that's why in terms of the contents of the book, I organize the chapters according to the components of that flywheel, leveraging you right in the center, leverage marketing, leverage sales and leverage delivery. And they draw on the inner dimensions while serving the outer activities that you do, engage, educate, enroll your most ideal clients. And that's the journey pathway that I talk about a lot, whether it's thinking about your ideal client avatar or your marketing funnel, your sales process or your delivery mechanism. We want the strategy, the vision, values and goals to inform the decisions you make about the inner dimensions, as well as how to drive the wheel operationally. Now, the aim with iSuccess is to make sure we're driving the right vehicle and that the vehicle is in top-notch condition and it's really attracting passengers that want to go on the journey with you. The work we do is in implementing effective and efficient business design and business process design that underpins your ability to meet the strategic and revenue goals you set for yourself. Okay, so in summary, the iSuccess 7 dimensions that I mentioned in the last episode, this is the engine that drives your business with a strong purpose, profitability and process across your end-to-end customer journey. Now, the way I look at each of the seven dimensions is as a potential critical lever or lever as they uh, say in in the US. Um, And that lever, that lever supports the leverage business strategy. So having all of those levers and all those elements working well together is what allows you to build, market, grow and scale your business successfully. All the moving parts are mutually reinforcing. The inner wheel drives the middle wheel to give you the leverage as you operate the marketing, sales and delivery components of your business. Neat, huh? (laughs) When you strengthen the engine design and you improve your digital capability to run each part, you can turn the flywheel faster and more efficiently and have less frustration and more fun in the process. As I shared with you in the last episode, these seven dimensions of success also form the basis of the curriculum for my Leverage Business Accelerator program. And it's in the way that we organize the resources and courses inside the iSuccess Business Academy membership. Having these focal points to diagnose bottlenecks is what helps people to clarify, package and scale their business more easily and more effectively. And that's because we help you resolve the common frustrations of building and growing a business. So things become more dependable and workable in terms of a consistent return on your marketing. And by that, I mean sales. So that you reach a stage in your business where it's realistic to scale. From everything I've studied, seen and experienced with my own business and working with hundreds of clients, I believe that improvements in these seven dimensions is what makes the biggest difference between those who are successful at enrolling people into a high-end program and those who struggle to win clients. 
We'll go through each of the seven dimensions of success in a moment, but allow me just to emphasize one thing here. If you don't start with clarity in your marketing, sales process and service delivery model and the pricing, you cannot create leverage. You can't scale because if you try to scale, you'll end up growing existing problems, existing confusions into much bigger issues. Sources of inefficiency will have an even greater negative effect on performance. If you have bottlenecks in your business operations, then the issues they cause will be multiplied. And it'll just get more and more frustrating and stressful trying to fathom it out. So a lot of people, they go down the automation route because they think that's where they're going to bring efficiencies into their business. But as Bill Gates famously said, automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. And by inefficiency here, I'm also talking about the design of your business, the the core of your business, the why, the purpose, not just the machinery. So sadly, business planning is seldom taught in a holistic and inside out manner. In books, topics are nearly always taught separately, never looking at the dynamics of the full picture. That's my experience anyway. Business courses too lean heavily towards the mechanics and the skills side rather than looking at the overarching strategic business models, the vision, the values, or the personal traits and attitudes and skills of the business owner. Most business education is actually quite linear. It covers the tangible operational components like putting together a business plan, doing a cash flow forecast, but it can fail to give you a feel or a flair for business as a whole. A while back, a colleague and I, um, who I'm interviewing actually in a couple of um, episodes forward, going forwards, um, we did a support program for what in the UK was called New Enterprise Allowance Scheme. And these were, you know, really sort of fairly uh, new business owners and they were looking to get a grant from the government. And so they were willing to put in some effort to put together a business plan, but they were really clueless. A lot of them anyway, were really clueless as to what that actually meant. Um, And I put a plan, I put a, a workshop together for them so that they started to understand the different components that you're, you know, the, the logic, if you like, of it, the, the heart and soul, but also the, the machinery of it. Um, and suddenly the light bulb went on, you know, because they were trying to fill in these forms without really fully stepping back and thinking about, you know, wh- what it is that why they want to build the business, you know, who they who they want to serve and how will they actually make money going forward? And, you know, how will they know when they've been successful and knowing that it's not just going to happen in 30 days or even three months, that it's something that you build up over time. And this lack of seeing the business kind of from 30,000 feet holistically is also why I've found, certainly for service businesses, that business improvement methodologies like Six Sigma or Kazen, which are intended to help identify root causes of problems or inefficiencies and identify any unbeknown codependencies in a process, they, they don't always include both the human and the technical errors. It's useful It's very useful in a manufacturing process, but I found it quite hard to apply this directly to a service business because the the moving parts and the human elements are very different. Um, And in fact, at some stages of business building, the human elements are the absolute truth of the business. And I always think once you get clear on that core product market fit, the rest of it is fairly straightforward to put into place. And and then you can start moving into tactics 
once you've got the strategy right. And the other thing, as an independent practice, your business vision is totally yours to define. You know, you haven't inherited a company or bought a company. You don't work for a company if you're an independent service provider. So remember that with your goals. It's it's personal. It's not just business. And that's why we place you at the heart of things. It's your vision and your values, as I said before, what you want to be known for, your mindset as a CEO, what kind of work you want to do, how you want to work, you know, what kind of business model is going to serve you as well as help your customers, your clients, and how you want to serve people and how you wish to operate. They're much softer factors in achieving success. As such, service businesses tend to require an additional set of impact indicators than manufacturing or retail business performance metrics. For some areas, you're going to need a deeper dive than just self-evaluating which elements are strong and which are weak. But it's a good holistic model in iSuccess to start the business review off with. Nonetheless, not appreciating how one part of your business affects another is without a doubt why many people struggle to identify the real causes of business problems, how well each part is working individually and how well they're working collectively as a balanced business. So let's go over the seven dimensions and then I'll illustrate what I mean about finding the real root cause of a problem and how the iSuccess levers can be applied. And I'm going to illustrate it using three examples from client projects I've been involved in, which are all quite common. So let's look at the iSuccess seven dimensions or levers. Firstly, the aligning lever. The aligning lever ensures your road is paved with purposeful intent and your business is a source of happiness, not stress. Building a business that achieves your vision of how you wish to serve people and the impact you want to have means aligning everything you do with your authentic self as the foundation for your brand and behavior in the marketplace. If you started your business with the idea of greater freedom and control in your life, what in the preface of my book I call leveraged living, you need the right philosophies, strategies, tools and support to succeed, especially if you have a bigger vision for how you want your business to grow. Make sure your growth model is one that does not end up with your business running your life and taking up all of your time. Your goal is to be working on purpose and in integrity with who you want to be in making a difference in this world. Your business should be a source of fulfillment and give you a sense of meaning and contribution. The second dimension or lever is the targeting lever. The targeting lever is used to identify a clear, relevant and profitable niche and the ideal audience and offer. Pinning down your best market, in other words, getting clear on your ideal audience and unique value proposition to them specifically, is by far one of the most important yet frustratingly difficult aspects of building a successful and viable business. At least for some people, it's a real sticking point. It's really worth spending time on this dimension and pushing through those difficulties though, because you want to get crystal clear on your perfect people by pinpointing a single persona, what we call your ideal client avatar or ICA. And this is someone who's totally right and primed for what you do. Now, it's not necessarily about putting labels on people or a demographic necessarily, and that's one way of finding your avatar. But it's also about what do the people that you can help the most have in common. 
You know, what are their pain points? Where are they trying to get to? And finding commonalities there can sometimes be the way to really hone in on the people who you're best equipped to support. You need to ensure that this group are hungry and willing to pay for what you deliver as well. That's a really key part. So identifying the biggest beneficiaries of your expertise is a vital investment and doing the research that you need, doing the outreach to kind of check your assumptions is is all very important because this ultimately will determine how successful you are when you put your offer out to the marketplace and of course how many sales you make and therefore determine your profitability. With a strong message to market match, product market fit, you're going to attract a constant string of interest to you. You become the hunted, not the hunter. When your messaging is generic, vague or fluffy and lacks the right hooks, your marketing becomes a constant struggle. It's time consuming, it's expensive and it's ineffective. Your best target market is one where you can quickly position yourself as an expert and you can access the people that are your ideal target market. A top niche is only profitable if you can gain competitive advantage and take a bit of a share of the market. Okay, so number three, the positioning lever. The positioning lever helps you become a visible authority in your field of expertise. It's the front engine for your business that generates leads. Simply put, no leads, no income, no business. When positioning is weak, lead generation tends to be patchy and inconsistent, which you see reflected in your client work and income. When you're well positioned in the marketplace and with some savvy PR, you don't have to work hard to attract high quality prospects and win them over. Something as simple as having the right keywords on your LinkedIn profile, for example, that's how I get business all the time. It removes all the frustrations and anxieties that keep you stuck in panic and overwhelm, wondering, you know, if anyone's going to find you and you end up being your industry's best kept secret. And I don't want that for you. So with the positioning lever, when you have a unique niche and a way of working in place, you can then work on identifying where your target audience hang out and establish a credible reputation with them as an expert authority for what you do. And this is what attracts business to you. You can't wade in there straight away and start sort of saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. You have to engage people first and you have to provide value by by some kind of educational content. Um, And then people start to sort of see you as someone that has something to give. And when you give, you get. The positioning lever really underpins your content plan, what you're actually putting out into the world, the, whether it's by video, whether it's by writing, by speaking, um, you know, that's entirely your choice. So you become the go-to expert and people get used to seeing you via YouTube or via a podcast or via your articles on, on your blog or, or other people's um, blogs. They get used to seeing you speaking at summits and events if that's your channel. It's not mine, but um, a lot of people, that's the, the key way that they make themselves visible and they build a brand around that particular way of communicating. For others, and I'm a bit like this one, it's about writing books or creating courses, creating high quality educational material. But whatever the medium, whatever channel you decide is your platform, The positioning lever is all about getting visible. And you're not going to lay this all out overnight. You know, it takes time to build up that authority. 
So don't worry if you don't have it all down straight away because these things take time and sometimes you have to reinvent yourself almost as well. But really reflect on what you feel are your strengths, whether it's writing, speaking or teaching, uh, creating courses, for example, because I think that will give you a good way in as to how you're going to properly connect your authority or expertise with the people that you can help and what kind of medium they're going to resonate with as well in terms of of your audience where they hang out. So all of these things are factors and it just does take a little bit of time to work out what's your best positioning so that you can apply the lever. You have to be visible for clients to find you. You've got to dare to be seen, if you like, and have a signature kind of communication style and channel. And so really having a sense of of who you are and what you're about, what you stand for, and, and setting out some thought leadership pieces can really help you do that. And then you need the sort of professional client processes so that you you build a velvet rope, essentially, around your service community so that people have to almost apply. In fact, that's how I work. They have to apply to work with me. Um, you can't just book it. You know, you can't just book a place on one of my programs because I want to make sure that it's really going to deliver the results that, that you're looking for. Um, and, and it won't, not for everybody. It depends on so many things. And that's why we have a conversation about it and explore Uh, whether it's a good fit. So number four is the branding levers. Once you've got the alignment and the targeting and the positioning and you're becoming visible, then you might want to work on perfecting your brand a little bit more. And part of branding and being magnetic to people is about your messaging, about using the right language, about really understanding how to touch the pain points and how to really get people hungry for what you can offer them. These days, the branding lever is an essential part of the success equation because it's about creating an inspiring, irresistible brand. And that includes your messaging, your copywriting and your content. You know, it's everything that you put out there into the world, your whole way that you present yourself to the world from, you know, your color scheme to your personality. So find your platform, brand yourself around it, pick a color scheme, (laughs) um, be consistent and make sure that you really drive the key phrases that that capture what you do, what you're expert in as much as possible consistently throughout everything that you put out. Just bear in mind that before anyone will do business with you, it's highly likely that they'll Google you to check you out. And anytime you interact with people online or offline, your digital visibility will matter. However, don't fall into the trap of doing this backwards. You need to test your messaging with your niche before you start creating brand logos and designs. This means engaging with your audience. Only once you're reasonably sure your core concept your core concept resonates with your ideal target market and you've positioned yourself as the expert most uniquely and best place to serve them, that's when you should start creating your branded packaging. At this point, we have clarity and we have maybe a sense of the packaging um, of our branded package program, for example. Now we know to start thinking about the pricing. So the fifth dimension is where we look into using the pricing lever. Now, charging for the value, results and transformation you deliver is an essential dimension of a leverage strategy. What to charge for your services can be super tricky. 
There are usually certain money blocks as well that each of us have to overcome to do with belief, self-worth, selling, and many more. Pricing is one of my biggest areas of interest. I absolutely love looking at pricing strategies because it's where the value in the money part of the equation comes together. And the best way to charge what you're worth rather than just the standard rate of others in your industry is to consider the real impact your products and services and programs have on your clients and how effectively and efficiently you can deliver a highly desired outcome for them. So a lot of it is about trying to quantify almost either put a value on the result that you deliver or to put a cost on what happens if they don't achieve that result or they have a failure, if you like, of of trying other methods. It's, again, as I said, it's a little tricky and it, it does require a little bit of back and forth. But rather than always taking on new clients, you can actually increase your revenue by earning more from existing clients if you decide to increase your prices. So it doesn't require any more investment of time and money to acquire new clients, um, but it does mean that you don't need as many clients to make the same income that you were, that you were making at the lower price. And this can be also achieved by providing additional value to your core offer. So it's not just you're hiking your prices up, um, but actually you're providing more value and therefore the price has gone up. Um, and you can do that as well through upsells, downsells, cross-sells, so that you're really like maximizing the interest that your client has with you. And in fact, people will pay more for the same information available in different formats too, like upselling the audiobook when people buy your print or ebook, or offering a reduction on a course or a second course when people buy a first course. People, I, I found in my consulting practice, certainly people aren't really interested in the, apart from through procurement processes, they're not really interested in in how many hours or how many days, what you charge for those hours or days. They're actually interested in the end result or in the project that you're taking on. How many days it takes you, a lot of it depends on how experienced you are. Um, so I find the metric of number of days when you're putting in a tender proposal, find it quite quite frustrating actually. You know, you could put in twice as many days as it's actually going to take you because you know you work really fast. So it's, it's just a bit meaningless, really. Will you get the result for the people? Will you deliver the project? That's the, the key thing. And then it's all about convincing the person that you've got the abilities um, to deliver it, to deliver on the promise. Okay, by this stage, we have a working model. We have a working product and offer. And now we need to think about how we're going to put in place the machinery to take that product, take that offer to the marketplace. And that's where we come on to dimension six, which is around the systematizing lever. The systematizing lever is about creating systems, as the name implies, for efficiency and smarter working. A lack of clear and straightforward systems is one of the biggest things that keeps a service business from being able to grow. Frankly, I'm shocked at how many business owners and consultants don't have a marketing system in place or even a game plan. Instead of having a robust workflow for their lead generation and business development, many service professionals are just flying by the seat of their pants. 
they're trying this, they're trying that. It doesn't work. They haven't tested it for very long, but then they, they sort of say, oh, I tried that and it didn't work. But really, you've got to sit, sort of consistently be trying something and looking at the figures, looking at how it pans out and have a, a, enough of a set of data, a big enough set of data that you can conclude that it's not working categorically. There's a little point aligning, targeting, positioning and branding if you don't also have an effective enrollment process in place and a delivery system working on your behalf 24-7. Creating structure and reducing labor intensity means that you have less anxiety and more time to enjoy the fruits of your success winning new business and can spend your time on the high earning part of the business, which is your consulting or your coaching, your area of expertise. Next, we come on to the scaling lever. And again, this is a lot to do with efficiency and growth, but we're looking at how you're expanding your business, how, how you're building capacity to expand your business in a way that helps you achieve both business growth and your personal lifestyle goals. I'm a big believer in getting that work-life balance equation absolutely spot on. So when we talk about the scaling lever, it isn't just about cranking up the wheel, you know, cranking up the rate at which you can get clients and churn out clients and deliver results. It's actually about doing it in a clever way. And that not only means building a team around you so that they can help you with the systems, with the automation, with some of the, you know, the administration, the customer service end of things, but also about switching your model of delivery from only one-to-one face-to-face towards more group or uh, virtual modalities. Because that's really when you're going to see the greatest leverage. And what I see and what I do quite often with clients is to really help them transition from the one to the other so that they can free up their time. And once you do that, it doesn't mean you're never going to do face-to-face or one-to-one consulting or coaching work ever again, but you're doing it at the high premium end of things. And even if that's a small component of the program, which is like a an added value to a course that you run or a group program that you run or a blend of everything, um, at least it's uh, a way of leveraging your time and your expertise. A successful business is expected to grow, even in economic uncertainty in the times we're living in at the moment. Probably see no greater economic uncertainty than after the the world wars. But um, in so doing, you're able to serve more people and increase turnover because you're going into a different business model. Uh, As a solo professional or or even a group of associates, there's only so many hours of one-to-one that you can provide. Even if you manage to hire other consultants who are as good as you are and the specialist expert, there's an income ceiling nonetheless. So unless you want to build a consulting practice based on the the traditional hierarchical way of doing things, um, scalability in the I success sense of the word is the ability of your business and business processes and people to handle a growing amount of work in a capable manner or its ability to be expanded to accommodate that growth. Hiring, outsourcing, and putting a good operational team in place around you means you can leverage your high-level skills and earning potential, rather than spend time doing admin, sorting tech, and other time drainers. Starting with the aligning lever, 
Each dimension either enables or strengthens the next, or indeed can limit or weaken the whole structure. Okay, so we have aligning, targeting, positioning, branding, pricing, systematizing, and scaling. And I've gone through each one in turn. It's like seven steps you can take to review your business. And when you're developing your business, you're going to need to go back and forth a bit to get each one making sense as a whole strategy. Now let's turn to the aims. For each of the seven dimensions in the inner circle, there's an outcome the strategic aim, if you like, that each lever helps achieve for the business and leads to success, as defined in your vision and values of what's important to you. It's all shown visually in my book in the last chapter, in the print edition, that's page 263. So if you have the book, it makes it a lot easier to see what I'm talking about. And if you have the audio book that's just come out on, on Audible, um, there's a downloadable audiobook resource pack as well, which will include all of the visuals and the references that's in the printed version. Right, so the outer labels that's shown on this visual, and I'll go through each of them, um, can also be thought of as the design goals of your business architecture. Each building more and more leverage in terms of marketing, sales and delivery. So I'm just going to do a quick run through of the outcomes for each dimension that we've just been through or the lever that you can apply for business performance improvement. Number one, the outcome for the aligning lever was to be purposeful. The outcome for the targeting lever is to be profitable. The outcome for the positioning lever is to be visible. The outcome for the branding lever is to be magnetic. The outcome for the pricing lever is to be valued. The outcome for the systematizing lever is to be efficient and the outcome for the scaling lever is to increase growth. These outcomes provide broad indicators of success. Some will be qualitative measures, how your business feels to you, and others are quantitative, like tangible growth metrics. In next week's episode, it's going to be a Q&A with Dr. J style. We'll go through the kind of metrics I mean, as well as doing a quick self-evaluation exercise to see where you are with each one. We actually divide up the seven dimensions into elements and there's 14 elements that we'll look into. The whole exercise is what I call the leverage test. And that's in the workbook that comes free with my book. Well, the digital copy comes free or you can buy it in print on Amazon. So we'll do a bit of a walkthrough and hopefully give you some good pointers as to what to review in your own business. Right, so I promised you three examples in practice. And as I say, next week, I'll share the self-evaluation and we'll dive deeper into what a typical analysis can help you visualize for your own business. But here's the first example. A problem that manifests as a sales performance issue may in fact be a consequence of a mismatch between a product and the brand or audience. So sometimes we look at the situation and we think it's a pricing issue and actually it's an aligning issue or a targeting issue or a branding issue. So it just shows you that um, a particular problem that's showing up in your business, you need to dive into what's the root cause, where is it coming from? Often we're solving for more than one problem. So here's the second example. 
a large business is experiencing low staff morale and senior management insist it's about pay or maybe working conditions. Their blind spot is not thinking that low morale in a team and complaints about working conditions can actually result from a poor sense of the organization's vision and values or when the vision and values aren't being cultivated internally. In this example, the problem is most likely to show up in a 360. That's an interview process where you gather the viewpoints across the whole business or organization. So across functions internally and externally facing. The CEO may think they have a scaling barrier, but the real fix would take you back to the aligning dimension, then thinking about how you can instill the company's vision and values, its why, its purpose, into team communications and support staff who then in turn have a clearer sense of what the organization stands for, its culture and brand. And the root cause would usually come down to aligning and to an extent branding because branding and corporate culture are intertwined. Initiatives that help people get on the same page about the vision and values in terms of a change management program within the organization, and I've done a lot of work with with those in in corporate, they... Um, they're really going to help lift stuff morale because they feel a sense of co-ownership of that brand and of of that vision and the values that that underpin it. And they in in turn embed this in their role and and in their customer-facing activities. Here's another example. The business is suffering with poor profits, and we've all heard of that one, and can't be sure if this is due to low sales, high operating costs, or the wrong pricing strategy, which are very different problems to resolve. On the one hand, this is simply a finance piece, looking, for example, at cost per sale or cost per acquisition, and the cost to deliver, looking at those figures to see where savings could be made to achieve better margins. And you see a lot of businesses going through these kind of cost-cutting processes just to be able to um, lower their costs and increase their profits. On the other hand, it could simply be that the sales team will need more training so they can convert more leads to customers. Or both, of course. So the business wants to know where the problem lies and what to fix before they start investing in one thing or the other. Going back to the leverage business flywheel, we have three points of leverage we can look to, marketing, sales and delivery. As well as looking at the conversion figures across the customer acquisition process, the engage, educate and enroll pathway. The iSuccess seven dimensions help you pinpoint the solutions to improve each cog that drives these. Does that make sense? Hopefully you understand now how everything fits together and why people who talk to you about strategy as if it's a magic wand or silver bullet are actually talking about tactics. It's easier to sell someone on a tactic, but it won't usually fix the root cause of an ineffective process. I'm all about process improvement that brings about performance improvement. I'm all about success in the widest sense of the word, having a business perform well in all elements that help you achieve your vision while staying true to your values, your why and what's important. Next week, we'll go through the leverage test so you can review the 14 key elements that will help you optimize your business performance and help you grow and scale a business that achieves both the income and the impact you want without grinding you down and burning you out. We want something that's workable, dependable and profitable. 
Yay. So I will see you then. I hope you found this useful. You might have to sort of go back and listen to it again. There's quite a lot of detail in here. Uh, and obviously all of the detail is in my book. Um, but I'll see you next week and we'll keep going and we're going to do some self-evaluation. Until then, any questions, get the book, download the workbook and join the Leverage Living Club on Facebook where you can ask me anything. All of the links are in the show notes. So for me, it's ciao ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.